the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Recruiter.com slash. The following program is sponsored with the Truth Incorporated. Merry Christmas from all of us at Know the Truth. Today, Philip DeCorsi is showing us the way to peace on earth. Isaiah says on God's behalf, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. It's a wonderful thing. You can enjoy a white Christmas through faith in the Lord Jesus who puts you in a right relationship with God and gives you the joy and the ability to reconcile with others. And the blood that cleansed you is the blood that can cleanse them and bring freedom and bring forgiveness between people. Christmas has arrived when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Prince of Peace. There's so much promise surrounding this day, but in a world of strife and uncertainty, it's hard to see how God is making good on His promise of peace on earth. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy for today's special Christmas message. We're discovering that Jesus did come to bring peace on earth, a peace that can never be taken away from those who trust in God. Here's Philip. Peace on earth. That was what was promised that first Christmas, but it seems to be in short supply in so many lives. Peace seems a very elusive thing in our world where Jesus came and said, peace on earth. And so I want to come and I want to look at this pronouncement, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. And I want to see where we can find peace. I want to see what peace Jesus is talking about here. God certainly wants you to enjoy the gift of peace this Christmas. Luke 2 verse 14. People tend to misread this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And we tend to think about this as peace among nations. We tend to think of this as global peace. Cessation of war. That's not the focus, I think, of this text. I think the focus of this text is peace with God. Harmony between earth and heaven because there's disharmony because of sin. This is vertical. It's upward. This is between God and man. I think that's the focus here. Because if you go to chapter 2 and verse 10, we're told that here's the good news that is to all people. Verse 11, that there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. He's your Savior because you need saving. You can go to Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. And we read in Matthew one twenty one, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall what? Save his people from their sin. We've got a sin problem. Our sin has separated us from God. We're at odds with God. There's disharmony between heaven and earth, God and man, and Jesus Christ came to fix that. My friend, you'll never be at peace until you're at peace with your Creator and your Maker. And He wants that for you this Christmas. That's eternal peace. Secondly, we've got internal peace. See, it starts with peace with God. No relationship can be right until that fundamental relationship is right, vertically with God Himself. But once you've established peace with God, 
reconciled to God, justified through faith in Jesus Christ, there will come with you the gift of peace that God enjoys. The peace that God exists in. The peace of God. It's a byproduct. As sure as morning follows night and light follows darkness and the carriage follows the horse, you will not only experience peace with God, you will experience the peace of God. And for that, we go to Philippians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. The peace of God, the peace that God possesses, the tranquility that God exists in. You can have a piece of that. You can have a piece of that peace. So that like Jesus in the middle of a storm, you can sleep. So like Jesus faced with the impending cross, you can find courage and calm to accept the will of God in all of its bitterness. That's the calm, that's the peace that God wants you to have. The peace that envelops heaven itself. The peace of God. It's a marvelous thought, isn't it? Remember what Jesus said? I quoted it earlier. John 14, 27. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. The world's trying to find peace in things and people in the creation. That's not where peace is found. It's found in the Creator. And it can be yours. The serenity that God lives in can live in you. The means? Trust? Isaiah 26, verse 3, write that down. Trust I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on me who trusts in me. The word trust means to rely, to rest on. You need to rely on the character of God. You need to rely on the promises of God. You need to believe His Word. That's why Bible reading and trusting the promises of God are so important. Write down Psalm 119, verse 165. They have great peace who love thy law. It involves trust. It involves Bible reading. It involves prayer. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. You and I can carry our burdens and our challenges to God and leave them with Him. The trouble is we carry them there and we carry them back. And that's why we don't enjoy the peace of God. Make your requests made known to God and trust Him to do what He says He'll do. Trust, Bible reading, prayer, gratitude. That'll bring the peace of God. We're told here to pray with thanksgiving, verse 6 of Philippians 4. Why would gratitude or thanksgiving be good in terms of calming our spirit? Because the more we look back, the more we account for God's faithfulness and goodness and kindness across the years, the God who has been with us will be with us. The past is an indicator of the future. Meditation. Philippians 4, 8 to 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, think upon these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Verse 9. You want the God of peace to be with you? You want the peace that God exists in to be in you? Trust, read your Bible, pray, be grateful, and meditate on the right things. Stinking thinking has a way of falling life up. And you're focused on your enemy. You're focused on your situation. You're focused on the things that are irritating you, the pebbles in your shoes, so to speak. And it's taking away the joy of the Lord and it's robbing you of peace. 
You focus on the things which are lovely, true, and good, and you'll find the peace of God guarding your heart and mind. Obedience, finally. If you want a recipe for the peace of God, trust, Bible reading, prayer, gratitude, meditation, obedience. Go to Galatians 5, verse 16 and 22. We're told there to walk in the Spirit so we might not fulfill the works of the flesh. To walk in the Spirit is to obey the Spirit, to shape and conform your behavior to Him. The Spirit of God indwells us. The Spirit of God leads us. The Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. He will use the Word of God to lead us in the will of God. And if you want to walk in the Spirit, you need to be obedient. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to submit to God's will as it's found in the Word of God. And what is the fruit of walking in the Spirit? What is it? It's love and it's peace and it's joy. When you don't obey, you'll be miserable. It says, there you have it. This is a promise of a tranquility that marks heaven. You can have a piece of it on earth. Love the story of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of my favorites, you know, 1854, pastoring in London, and London is in the grip of Asiatic cholera. People are dropping like flies. He's been ministering for weeks to his congregation, visiting the sick, burying the dead. And he's tired, and he's exhausted, and he's losing hope, and he feels that cholera may grab him and drag him down into death. And so one day, he says, I was ready to sink down under it. And one day, as I was walking back from a funeral, as God would have it, my curiosity led me to read a newspaper that had been pasted onto a shoemaker's window on Great Dover Road. It was a huge piece of paper, and on it, in good, bold writing, were these words, Because thou hast made the Lord thy refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. You know what? He took that word, and he meditated upon that word, and he prayed that God would fulfill his promise in the light of that word, and he trusted God to bring a peace that was promised in that word and God gave him it. In fact, he says this, the effect upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. That is the possession of the people of God. And you can enjoy that. God wants us to enjoy peace with him through what Jesus did on the cross, having made peace through the blood of his cross. But he not only wants us to enjoy peace with him, he wants us to enjoy his peace in us, in the most trying and terrible of circumstances. But he wants us also to be at peace with each other. Fractured and frayed relationships, bad marriages, rivalry among siblings, fights in the office, neighbors at loggerheads, They don't miraculously disappear at Christmas, do they? At Christmas, marriages are still bad. Friendships are still fractured. Neighbors are still fighting. Jealousy marks the office environment. It's terrible. And it robs us of harmony and peace. It brings tension and anxiety and fear and discouragement. 
In fact, in some ways, the Christmas season exaggerates it because we know what the ideal is. We know what God would want. We desire peace, and yet we're at war with ourselves. We're at war with God, and we're at war with each other. But you know what? Jesus came to give us peace with God. Jesus came to give us the peace of God, and Jesus came to encourage us to be at peace with each other. And the God who has forgiven us and made amends with us and reconciled us through the cross wants us to do that with others. That's why Paul will say in Romans 12, verse 18, one of my favorite verses, you know what? As much as is possible, be at peace with all men. As much as is possible, and it lies with you, be at peace with all men. That's an encouragement for you and I to be peacemakers to go out of our way, to reconcile with those who are at odds with us, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a home, whether it's in an office, whether it's on a street, whether it's marital, racial, or whatever that tension or that division is, God has called His people to be peacemakers, to live in the light of the cross. That's why Jesus says in Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32, as I have forgiven you, you ought to forgive one another. And God wants that this Christmas. God is putting an onus on us, those of us that have peace with Him, and those of us who want to enjoy His peace. You and I have to work hard at being at peace with others. Now, I love the realism of Romans 12. As much as is possible and lies with you, be at peace with all men. That seems to be an admission that some people are hard to reconcile with. And you may have tried, and you will continue to try, but They'll stay on the other side of the argument and wave back at a distance. And they're not really waving. You're waving you goodbye. No interest. Stay where you are. I've no desire to have a relationship with you. I don't care if you forgive me. I'm not going to forgive you. I love the realism there. Paul said, as much as is possible, would you work at reconciliation as it lies in you, motivated by the cross? You've got that, haven't you? In Matthew 5, Jesus says, hey, If you're coming to worship me and you know somebody's got something against you, hold off on the gift. Go and see if you can reconcile with them and then come back and worship me. Because you know what? Love for me always leads to love for others. And being in a relationship with me, reconciled to me, makes it hard for you to stay in an unreconciled relationship with another. The cross embarrasses you. The cross motivates you. The cross puts you to go and sort it out with them. I like what my friend Mark Hitchcock said about Romans 12, verse 18. He says, I want the problem of a lack of peace to be their problem. You get what he's saying? I want the problem of a lack of reconciliation to be their problem, as in they're the cause of the continued unreconciled relationship. Because as much as it's been possible, as much as it's led in your ability, you've sought to reconcile it. And if you have done that, you can be at peace with God. And you can enjoy the peace of God, having tried to be at peace with others. Hopefully, in most cases, they reconcile. Their hearts are melted by your love. The walls come down because of your grace. But you know what? There are just some hard-nosed, hard-hearted people. And they're just not going to budge. And God won't hold you accountable for that if you've done your best. Let the problem of a lack of peace be their problem. But it's a good reminder, isn't it? Even at Christmas, peace on earth, that there's a lot of animosity between people. And certainly the Christian should be in the middle of that because of the cross. Isaiah says 
on God's behalf. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. It's a wonderful thing. You can enjoy a white Christmas through faith in the Lord Jesus who puts you in a right relationship with God. Then the Spirit of peace enters your life and gives you the joy and the ability to reconcile with others. And the blood that cleansed you is the blood that can cleanse them and bring freedom and bring forgiveness between people. Let's finish with this fraternal peace very briefly. This is the peace that's ahead of us. We've talked about peace above. We've talked about peace within. We've talked about peace without. Now we're talking about a peace that lies ahead. We're moving from the first coming of Jesus where He made peace through the blood of His cross, where He established the means of reconciliation with God through His death and resurrection to His second coming when He returns in power and glory. And when He comes back, the prophet Isaiah tells us He will establish global peace. If you go to Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 4, it will talk about the latter times. It will talk about a kingdom and a rule that will be established after the throne of David. And you know what? At that time, men will beat their swords into plowshares, and of that time of peace there will be no end. In fact, if you go to the UN today, across from the UN in a park is the Isaiah Wall. And it has those words on it. Because that is the aspiration of men. They desire universal peace. Our world cries out for it. We see riots in Jerusalem as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We see civil war and catastrophe in Syria. We've seen the migration of millions into Europe. We've seen Iran seeking to get its hands on a nuclear weapon and become a menace to the world. We've seen terrorism. There's very little peace, my friend. But the Bible promises not just eternal peace, not just internal peace, not just external peace. It promises fraternal peace. A fraternal is a society or a group of people. And the Bible promises that someday Jesus will come again and the nations will be at peace with nations. We aspire to that, but it is elusive. Take the 20th century, 100 million people died in wars. You go to the major cities of the world and you'll find one peace monument after another peace monument. But I would remind you that the reason we have so many peace monuments is because we erect them after every war. There's very little peace. Charles Swindoll is right. It seems to us that world peace is a distant, unattainable dream. A political football to be kicked back and forth by eloquent ambassadors, a philosophical fancy, a glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading for the next war. It's true. But you know what? Jesus is going to fix that when he comes back. Let me finish with this. Isaiah 9, you know these verses, but we'll go to them because they promise this fraternal peace. For unto you is born a child... Unto you a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. My friend, that didn't happen at the first coming. 
Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Someday he's going to return and sit on David's throne in Jerusalem and reign for a thousand years, bringing justice and peace. And you know what? That's what we hope for, and that's what Christmas promises. You'll notice that the first coming and the second coming lie side by side here. For unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. That's the first coming. But then we read here about the increase of his government and the peace that comes from his rule. There'll be no end and he'll sit upon the throne of David. That's the second coming. It's what's called a prophetic skip. Sometimes when we look at an Old Testament passage, there are promises that lie side by side. They're separated by time within history, although they don't look that way on the text. It's a bit like a mountain range you look at from a distance, and it just seems one ending mountain range. But the closer you get, there's valleys and there's gaps between one mountain range and another mountain range. And here you have the child is born, the son is given, it's the first coming, but then there's a gap. And there's going to come the return of Jesus when the government that he will establish, there'll be no end to it. And peace will come among men and among nations, and they will beat their swords into plowshares. It might seem that God sleeps and is indifferent to our world, but that is not true. The God who sent His Son the first time to make peace with man will send His Son the second time to bring peace among men. And you know what? Wrong will feel and right will prevail. There will be no lasting peace until the Prince of Peace comes, but He's coming. And in that we hope and in that we expect. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for our time in Your Word. Thank You for the beautiful words of Luke 2.14. We have jumped off those and looked at the multi-layered theology of Your peace. Thank You for the peace we can have with You through the One who made peace on the cross. We thank You that the peace with you ushers in a peace from you that allows us to sleep in the midst of the storm and be calm in the midst of disease and despair and death. Oh God, we thank you that the model of your peace challenges us to seek peace and pursue it among ourselves. But we realize it's an unfinished work and someday your Son will come to bring final fraternal peace among the nations. We look forward to that day. Lord, help us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Help us to work as peacemakers, but help us to be realistic that no final and full peace can come until the Prince of Peace comes himself. And so even so come, Lord Jesus. And these things we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. What a great way to frame our perspective for Christmas by putting our focus on the Prince of Peace. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. Today's message is titled Peace on Earth, and we're offering you a free CD copy of this message. Request it online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Now, whether the whole family's gathering together or you're enjoying a quiet Christmas at home, it's our prayer that the peace of God abides in you. That's why Jesus came to give us his peace in our hearts and to make us heirs to the kingdom of peace that is to come. At Know the Truth, we're committed to this gospel message because it's the truth that sets men and women free. When we are set free from sin and death, we're at peace, set free to love and enjoy God forever. And it's your generous giving that helps us reach more men and women with the gospel presented every day here on Know the Truth. 
So enjoy a wonderful Christmas celebration and then circle back and make a generous year-end donation to Know the Truth. Most of the gifts that fuel this ministry are received at this time of the year, so please give before December 31. Donate when you go to ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. You can also mail your year-end gift to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. In appreciation of your generous support, we'll send you the brand new Know the Truth Journal. Request the KTT Journal when you give online at ktt.org or by calling 888-644-8811. And when you write, be sure to tell us how Know the Truth has encouraged your faith and equipped you to share the gospel with others. We love hearing from our listeners. That's all the time we have today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to join us next time for more Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. I'd rather lose every word I ever wrote than lose you. The newest version of Little Women, which is now out on video, places the four March sisters in a modern era where they once again dream for the future and support each other with unconditional love. Based on Louisa May Alcott's classic novel, this is a well-crafted adaptation. The biggest issues to navigate in this remake are mild innuendos and some drinking. Much more often, though, family issues take center stage as the March sisters move back and forth between deep conflict and deep affection. I'll give Little Women a 4 out of 5 for family friendliness. Before you rent or buy, though, be sure to visit PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski wishing you a very Merry Christmas from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Hello, I'm Mike Min- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.